It's episode five. Welcome to the show. Today on the show, I am joined by a man who is a serial restaurateur. He's opened and owned a bunch of different restaurants. He's serial entrepreneur. He's what I would call a, a thoroughbred entrepreneur, I would say. Someone who, who just has nothing but entrepreneurial blood in them. Um, and so some really interesting interesting marketing lessons from him as well in this episode, I think, around how he's built his own personal brand, which is not insignificant. How he has built the brands of different restaurants and different businesses that he's built. And sort of the process of how he would go about going to market. So, you know, if he was in early stages. And then also speaking to specifically some examples that are really relevant for for creatives in terms of marketing themselves as well oh i forgot to say his name his name is louis blake uh and yeah like i said current current businesses erpingham house is the 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 main one is a vegan restaurant he also is a brand ambassador for by chloe which is another vegan restaurant vegan doco he's he talks about it he's setting up a an indoor football place place that's what they call them an indoor football <laughs> venue i don't know what it's called listen listen on to the podcast and he'll describe it correctly unlike me but basically he's a fucking legend he is a seriously successful businessman and someone who is is really really clued in about marketing particularly um and some some really strong strong insights and strong lessons to be gleaned from this episode for sure i think before we begin i have to give a special shout out to myself as the sponsor of this show artbyangus.com if you know somebody who likes abstract art or who might like abstract art why not get them a beautiful lovely nice amazing painting for christmas i mean listen the prices are gonna go up now is the only time you're gonna be able to get such a bargain the only way is up so if 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 you want something that's gonna obviously just massively increase in value probably (laughs) if i say probably i'm i'm allowed to say it i presume don't know what the rules are there but uh if you rat me out you're a fucking rat (laughs) artbangus.com let's get into the show welcome to the creative marketing podcast ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to episode five of the creative marketing podcast today i am joined by serial entrepreneur restaurateur vegan just an all-around legend mr louis blake thank you for joining me sir thanks for having me mate always good to talk yeah indeed um i guess to begin with i've given a shitty intro of you but in your own words can you give us a bit of an intro to yourself who you are what you're about that sort of thing and <laughs> no, i think you nailed it <laughs> um, very nice description thank you yeah i would say I yeah, basically involved in restaurants, involved in plant-based business, um, essentially a marketer at heart. And that's probably the role that I play in the majority of the businesses that I work with. Really passionate about plant-based food, um, vegan lifestyle in general. And and yeah, just just really a bit of an opportunist. I'd, I'd say I came across veganism about six years ago, saw that it was going to be, uh, you know, could be really beneficial to the world and was going to be this, this, this kind of big thing, which uh, thankfully it's turning into. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was something that I wanted to, you know, really get involved with. Yeah thankful for your your business interest and for uh, the world i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly so i guess to begin with we'll start at the beginning as as is customary um i believe if i remember correctly you left school at 16 so can you tell us a bit about sort of your early journey what that was like and, and where you went from there i guess yeah totally so um yeah as you said left school at 16 um I'm I'm very grateful for the fact that I realised pretty early on that I didn't want to go to, go to an office, do something that I didn't enjoy, just to earn enough money to be able to go out on the weekend and then rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of uh, I guess friends that are a little bit older doing that, and it just didn't appeal to me. I, I I thought it'd probably be better to do something that I loved and that I enjoyed 
and maybe not make as much money and, and get to kind of, you know, have some fun every day and, and, and yeah. not, spend, not spend my life, <laughs> wasting my <laughs> life, so to speak. So, yeah, so I started coaching football, wasn't good enough to play, but but got a job and started a little business coaching. And then uh, I got the opportunity to go to the US. So uh, I went to New York for a year when I was 18, um, came back, went to Mexico for, uh, for nearly two years. I was nice. 19, yeah, coaching football there and got to kind of, it's very difficult once you've been paid to kick a football around in the daytime <laughs> it's very difficult to then go and I don't know you know get, get a job in a call center or something so when I came back uh, I when I when I worked in Mexico what I saw was the guy that I was working with had built this business where he had this subscription type model and the kids would pay for their training monthly or the parents would pay for the training monthly and the retention rate was really high that you know the, the, the kids stayed with the lifetime value in each player was you know it was 10 15 years or whatever so I thought wow this is a really good business model I didn't see anyone doing it in the UK and um, so I came back started a, uh, a football academy back in, in Norwich where I'm from and that was my first kind of I guess real venture in terms of like employing people and having to work out what tax was and, and all those other kind yeah. of things that you, you kind of <laughs> learn as you go and don't really get taught about too much in school or at least maybe I wasn't paying too much attention but, um, <laughs> no, but I, don't, yeah. I don't think they teach you too much about tax in school no they don't so no so more I, useless I started, things indeed so no, I started, I started this, <laughs> this little football academy um, and, it, and it was going pretty well and then uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm making money at something that I enjoy doing. Uh, what else do I like doing? And at this point, I like get going out and, and getting drunk, basically, at 20, as most 21-year-olds do. Indeed. So uh, I, I, there was a club that had opened locally, and a guy had come up from London and opened this, you know, it's really fancy club. And people locally just weren't weren't getting it. And uh, I thought, you know what? I, I know a lot of people. Uh, I know people that would like this kind of thing. I've seen these kind of clubs in New York and in Mexico City. And, you know, when I've been to London, I thought, what if I could create a little brand and then get you know early kind of influencer marketing i guess get all like the pretty yeah. girls and the popular guys yeah. to kind of come down and back it and shout about it on their social media which had just kind of kicked off then and started a an event and i, I did the first night you know it went really really well and then off the back of that i launched i guess what you know what i now look back on as kind of a more of a student events type company and then was doing that and i did that for years i went all over the country 12 cities running at one at one point and um, doing these midweek and weekend kind of events and that was i guess when i really kind of really started experimenting with different marketing methods and social media mm-hmm. and i guess that's where i kind of learned a lot of the the, the kind of skills and, and nuances that, that help with the business now amazing so i guess in those those sort of um those earlier days any I mean you touched on sort of figuring out tax a bit on the fly and stuff any early like failures or or big lessons that you had around those times oh massively yeah massively so um <laughs> I I ended up losing one of the businesses because I didn't structure the I mean you're, you know you're 21 or whatever you don't really understand shareholder agreements and mm-hmm. shares and all these things so I ended up losing a, a fair amount of money at that point on one of those I we ended up buying a nightclub uh, around around the same time and I was like yeah I'll be the director not really understanding what the implications were so when it came to things not getting filed properly etc obviously it came back on me not the other guys who are more experienced and probably knew better than to put themselves down as the director at yeah. that point so yeah I think just understanding the, the legalities and the implications of certain things I was being pushed in to do by you know maybe maybe older or more experienced people and 
being a bit of a fool mm-hmm. guy, I guess, at that point. I think probably trying to do a little bit too much as well. You know, it was, I think I was 22 and we had the football academy was growing really well. The, the nights were were, were were great. We had a nightclub and just trying to spread myself maybe a little bit too thin without necessarily having the skills or the or the know-how probably wasn't the best idea. But I guess going through that is was, was a great lesson. Yeah, sounds like, sounds like you got a lot of lessons in early anyway. <laughs> yeah, fail fast. Fail fast. Yeah. I, I saw, you know, I, you know what really helped me. I saw something once, and it was uh, there was uh, these three entrepreneurs, really successful guys, on the show, and the and the host was asking the audience, you know, how many what, what's the average number of failed businesses that these guys have had before they made their first million? And the average yeah. number was eighteen. Nice. So at that point, I was so, like, well, I, I don't really care if I fail. If I fail 10, 15 businesses, maybe that's what it takes. So I never really had this kind of aversion to to failure that I, I saw a lot of other people have that you may be scared to try something because they thought it might not go the way they wanted I didn't really have that kind of fear of it not going I was oh I'll just it's only it's only failure when it's final so if I stop then yeah I fail but actually if I just flip and pivot and do something else then I'm still going 100% I love that I've had many failed business attempts so that's a heartening uh, statistic for me <laughs> um, as have I as have I <laughs> I guess on the flip side of that coin any any sort of uh, things that you learned I guess but there were like a, any big breakthrough moments where you some you felt like something was unlocked or you're like oh now I'm on the next level or I've learned I've really learned something here you know yeah there's I mean, there's been a few I mean I think going into going into to, to businesses it's almost it can be a positive sometimes not fully understanding the industry or how things are supposed to be done brackets you know like I yeah. opened uh, when I opened the first restaurant or well, nearly three years ago now I didn't really understand restaurants I knew marketing I knew uh, nightlife hospitality but I didn't really know restaurants and had I have grown up in restaurants or, you know, had more of an intimate understanding from perhaps working in one, et cetera, I would have done things the same way everyone else did them. But because I came mm-hmm. from a different background, it was almost a benefit to me to not fully understand the industry and how things had always been done. So I think kind of one of the things I learned early was you don't necessarily have to know everything about something. Uh, and it's sometimes it can actually be beneficial to not be weighed down by how things have always been done. So, so that that was a really big one. I, I think the other one was perception really is reality. So I've always invested heavily in, in, in my brands in terms of the way they look, really understanding what the brand DNA is. Um, the feel, the you know how it comes across on on social and the visuals. And I've always kind of felt that you can make what is essentially a startup um, brand look like a big company purely on the way that you position it and the way that you kind of make it look online. So that was an early lesson. Trying to make sure that all of my my my, my brands and anything I put out looked really professional. That's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, you. You touched on there sort of doing things differently to to how other people maybe in the restaurant industry uh, work. First of all, I think that's such an interesting point because I think there's so many, so many industries like across all sort of verticals in the world that are so stuck in their ways that it's probably completely nonsensical half of what they're doing and they're just all doing it because someone else do it, does it. So what what were some of the ways that you you approach things differently, I guess, to the, the standard models? Yeah so, yeah, so one of the things I did when, when I opened the first restaurant, and again, I didn't. Again, I, just, I, just, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was thinking it was a it was a fully vegan restaurant. So it's the largest vegan restaurant in the UK. It's in Norwich, which you know has a strong agricultural heritage. So I guess you could say it's not the most vegan place in the world. Yeah. Um, and in the build process, I was thinking, how can I get? Because I know there's not a lot of vegans here, um, but I really believe in this. How can I get lo- the local community on board with what we're doing and interested in what we're doing? So I actually documented 
documented the entire build process on Instagram mm-hmm. and, on, and on LinkedIn. And then I invited people to have input. So I imagine most kind of restaurateurs have got this idea of what it should look like and they don't want to show anyone behind the scenes and the mess and everything else. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to show everything. So every day we, we, we did a different update video, showed behind the scenes, things being built. And what actually ended up happening was when we opened, we had all this huge local community interest of people that had followed along on social. And maybe yeah. I put a post up and said, put a post up outside, I'm thinking about doing this. What does everyone think? And then that level of engagement, people kind of saying, oh, you should do this, you should try this. And being able to play kind of a role in, in, in the development and the build of, of, of that building meant that when we opened, all these people had this almost felt like they were invested. They, they weren't vegan. They didn't really care about that side of it, but they they'd been on the journey with this build and you know we sh- we showed everything we showed the, f- the fridges coming in we showed what the kitchen looked like and you wouldn't normally get that uh, i guess from, from yeah. a restaurant or certainly i hadn't seen that before but it was invaluable to to when we launched and kind of fostering in a community feel around what we were doing amazing so you're managing to convert the the carnivores of norwich through well, your yeah, clever you know, marketing i love it it's interesting. We, I, I wanted to understand, actually, on that note, what percentage of people coming in weren't vegan or, or were vegan. So at mm-hmm. Christmas, like Christmas last year, we, we did a, a mini kind of survey, I guess you, you could call it. And, you know, for want of knowing how better to do this, I put a card on each table and said, if you fill this card in, we'll take 10% off your bill right now. And nice. there, were just, there were just a couple of basic questions. It was multiple choice. It was I am vegan, vegetarian, flexitarian, meat eater. Um, I'm here because etc and yeah. the, the funny thing was only about 10% of the, the cards came back where people were vegan so the yeah. vast majority of our audience isn't vegan at all so it's really interesting that is interesting and I guess a sign of that's definitely a sign of good marketing in my mind um, and I well, guess it, good flavors too <laughs> but I guess it can it guide, then guide your marketing doesn't it you know if you, if you have the understanding mm. that actually 10% of your audience is vegan so you know that you, if you know who you're speaking to it makes it much easier to put together the right message right that is a strong piece of marketing knowledge right there <laughs> all about working backwards from who the customer is definitely 100% so you touched on Instagram there and, and, and leveraging that I guess to to sort of build that brand and, and build that awareness with those people beforehand and you've got quite a big Instagram following how did that sort of come about how did you grow that the, the restaurant or my person the, in the personal instagram following yeah do you know what it's a, <laughs> it's an interesting one so i used to when i used to do as i said i did nightlife for, for for a long while and when you're in the i guess that kind of nightlife industry it's it looks kind of pretty fun and glamorous um obviously there's a lot more that goes behind the scenes but yeah you get to kind of you know you hang out with people and and book um, and book people and you know through that time being in being in london and being in those kind of environments and clubs you end up being around people that are, you know, famous or have big followings. And a lot of the time it was just them reposting or, or them tagging or tagging me in something. And it kind of grew organically like that. And I guess I got to around kind of like, I was sitting at like 15, 15, 20K followers. So everyone that had followed me up until that point had been kind of interested, I guess, in kind of like nightlife and like that kind of like lifestyle side. Yeah. And then I just flipped. <laughs> So I post some <laughs> pictures of falafels and vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 and then, then I guess the, the next 15k that follow were were kind of vegan. So it's interesting because I sometimes will post something like, "Oh, my engagement's rubbish," and then I realise, "Oh, actually, like, only about half of these are actually interested in what I'm posting." So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been quite a gap. But with the vegan stuff, I guess the reason I suppose that I've been able to do that is, is mainly because when I first went vegan, I. I as a guy looking to I guess to Instagram or YouTube for kind of inspo or knowledge from from other guys that I could relate to 
it was lacking. You know, there wasn't there yeah. was a lot of there was a lot of women talking about veganism. There was a lot of kind of I guess what you would call more kind of like hippie esque guys that were kind of talking about this way out there kind of veganism. There wasn't really anyone like relatable that was talking about, you know, this is what you can eat. This is, this is how this works, et cetera, et cetera. So I just started doing that. And I think it probably resonated with mid, mid late twenties guys that were considering it. And, and that's kind of been, I guess, the audience that I've been trying to speak to over the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. That's super interesting. You mentioned the getting to hang out with some celebrities, two questions there. Who's the best one you got to hang out with? First of all, got to ask. And then second of all, across all of them, any, anything sort of marketing wise that you learned from those interactions with those people or from from what you saw them doing etc do you know what not the most famous one but definitely the coolest one was uh, machine mm-hmm. gun Ke- machine gun kelly oh nice yeah he's he really cool ended up going out on a mad uh, <laughs> mad yeah. night with him all, all over london so that that was that was a lot of fun and he's a really cool guy epic In he's of, uh, he's blown up recently enough hasn't yeah he? well this was a little while ago so i guess he yeah, yeah. wasn't as famous then but um in terms of what i would have learned from those people not necessarily celebrities so to speak but certainly um brands and doing events for brands where celebrities would have been in, the, in attendance and i kind of learned how they would curate the experience to, to really maximize the exposure from the people that were at the event so mm-hmm. if there was a, a brand thing on an event and they'd invite certain influencers they would really you know really be specific on what they were trying to achieve and what they wanted the people there to do so that's something that i've taken into you know work with a restaurant etc i see where a lot of businesses perhaps go wrong when they work with influencers is they're like hey like come down for some food they'll then they won't there'll be no guidance as to what they expect from that 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 person visiting and the person will just leave whereas if you're saying okay in the invitation you're saying we're really trying to push these two dishes at the moment we'd like you to get these kind of photos these kind of videos we'd like you to say this not not you know allowing the allowing the the individual to kind of use their own tone of voice and and, because they know what will resonate with their audience but ultimately knowing what they want to achieve out of it what success looks like and kind of what their expectation is and i saw that of a lot of brands when they'd have either celebrities or influencers you know attend events they'd be very specific as to the kind of content they wanted the the kind of messaging they wanted and and the kind of Mm -hmm. things that were important to say nice okay i guess to give sort of to tie it back in a bit now i guess that you touched on the sort of almost your when you started getting into the vegan posting stuff that was like you're almost filling the need that you saw for yourself if you know what I mean yeah this podcast is intended in a similar way so I in the last since lockdown began I decided I'm going to be an artist (laughs) so I've started painting loads and I went through like a, a big binge of like consuming every piece of content on like YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that that I could find in terms of how to how to market as an artist and found that it was somewhat lacking so that's kind of the the need that I'm looking to fulfill is my own scratch my own itch almost with this podcast so based on that if you had to sort of think about it and it's I mean I guess I'm aimed at like not just people painting but any sort of creative endeavor in terms of like if talking to someone who's at the very beginning of that journey and and has a very limited following say how how you think they could go about growing that following if you know what i mean yeah sure well you know what i can i can talk from experience on, on this one so my ex-girlfriend and and i guess still still uh, still a really good friend mm-hmm. she, she's she's an artist and one of the things that we did was put her painting put her 
her artwork up in the restaurant. So right. the, the, the value for me was that I had art on the wall that I didn't have to pay for. The value for her was that the exposure that she would get both in the restaurant and on social, and we would then be in a position to sell her artwork off the wall and, and mm-hmm. as, as a kind of revenue stream, but also as a way for her to get in front of more people. So I think there's 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 you can find ways where it's it's mutually beneficial and it's and it's no it's 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 a, it's a low barrier to entry. Like if you were to approach, I guess, a hospitality venue, a cafe, a restaurant, a bar, or, or anywhere that would potentially hang artwork on the wall where people are gonna have their eyes on it i think that's mm-hmm. really that, that's a really effective way potentially to get to get in front of people in terms of building following i mean as, as you know at the moment particularly places like instagram etc it's getting harder and harder to build an organic reach i think the platforms mm-hmm. are designed in such a way where they um, restrict organic reach now to incentivize you to pay for it so i think even putting a small budget behind behind posts and figuring out what works and what doesn't and learning the nuances of paid advertising can be really effective. Uh, and then I would say also looking at exploring kind of new and emerging or perhaps less saturated platforms, uh, Pinterest, uh, doing some interesting stuff. Obviously you've got TikTok, there's some cool stuff yeah. you can get creative on there. So I, th- I think it's, it's it, there's, you need a kind of a varied, a varied approach and it will largely depend on, as we said earlier, who you're trying to speak to and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, to add to the uh, putting paid behind posts point, my uh, putting my my professional hat on for a second, I would say the the approach I would advise there would be do that when it's a post that over indexes. So keep yeah, posting totally, organically, totally. and when something gets more engagement, that's that's a sign that it will do better than with that paid advertisement. Because well, that validates it, right? That tells you exactly that that, that validates it. That that tells you rather than yeah, I guess chucking. <laughs> chucking cash behind every post you put up and hope <laughs> it will okay it will catch yeah if only i had that much cash i would <laughs> <laughs> so again sort of thinking of that that sort of newbie creative in mind i think a lot of there's that whole sort of starving artist uh what's the word oh, i can't think of the word oh it's not a metaphor it's a fucking cliche Cliche, that's the one. Thank you. That was a struggle. <laughs> um, but think of that starving, starving artist cliche. Boom. Um, it, it's like that sort of, I think a lot of people who come from that sort of more creative mind are very much sort of challenged when it comes to business and it's not really their forte and it almost feels like a dirty world to them just sort of asking for money and that sort of thing so obviously you've you've had a lot of experience of starting and growing businesses so any sort of hardcore business advice for people who are who are getting started ah uh, you know this is one of the it comes up all the time in in a lot of the brands that i've spoken to before people that i speak to at talks and one of the consistent themes in, in vegan business especially is the fear of making money um profit mm-hmm. is such a i think and this this like you said will, will likely apply to artists as well when you're doing something because you love it and when you're doing something because of you know in in, some, in the case of veganism something that you know you're really passionate about in the, in regards to the way that it impacts the world you feel bad about monetizing it but i mean i think the mindset you have to adopt is that ultimately if you want more people to see what you're doing and you want it to impact more people you need to earn money money's the lifeblood you know you, mm-hmm. you, you, if you if you if you believe in what you're doing then you should want it to reach more people and the only way it can reach more people is is when there's there's, there's money involved so 
I think it, what the first thing is, is is switching switching the mindset around money. And there's some great books you can read and podcasts, etc. And you know, to to, to go go in on that. Then I think in terms of actual monetization, a lot of the stuff I've done initially, and one of the first things I did was I did it for free. And I know people yeah. hate saying that, but I mean, I think if you, if you really if you really want it, you will do it for free. I did it for free when I launched my first football business. I worked for free for six months uh, coaching football. More recently, when I was doing the digital stuff, I when I first started the, the agency, we would take on stuff for free just to prove that we could do it in order to then win the win the client longer term. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an element of sacrifice there in terms of doing the free, doing it for free, and it plays into that starving artist thing. I think you yeah. mentioned. And then also, I, I guess similar to the, the one I think I mentioned with the painting. Maybe do it for food. Maybe do it for food if you're starving. Yeah, or for food. <laughs> and. It, Probably in the same way. I think it's being creative and finding ways where it's win-win without any, you know, like I said about putting the artwork on the wall in the restaurant. That's mm-hmm. a really, that's a really kind of win-win scenario for, for all people involved. So yeah, I, I think it's about really going after those kind of opportunities. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So first of all, actually, you mentioned an agency. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that. But what is that? Another arm of your entrepreneurial? No, I yeah. So um, yeah. So when we had, I guess what was going back seven, eight years now. When I was working in uh, in nightlife and in events, I built up a network of people that were working in hospitality. So, and at that time, they were all struggling to find staff. So um, we set up a hospitality recruitment company. Uh, it's still going today, actually, although I'm no longer involved. And effectively, we would place, you know, how recruitment works, you know, bar or restaurant A is looking for a manager, you go and find the manager, you invoice them 15, 20% of the first year salary as a fee, build mm-hmm. a relationship, you, et cetera, et cetera. So we started a recruitment company, went incredibly well. But what I was finding was, one, I, I hated recruitment myself, so I wasn't really doing it. <laughs> and two, when a, a restaurant, for example, would want to hire a marketing manager, I would interview them first, vet them, and find that although they had this CV of a marketing degree and they'd worked in marketing manager roles, they didn't have a clue about marketing in the in the in the age that we live in so um mm-hmm. what i i and I, I didn't feel morally that i could recommend any of these people to the to the client so what ended up happening was i was like i ended up saying look rather than pay this person salary x outsource it to us we'll do it internally and i hire a, a designer a, you know an ad a, a paid expert etc etc and we accidentally started this little agency which then as soon as we were getting results grew and grew and we were doing essentially essentially yeah it was a, mar- a marketing creative agency for the hospitality industry um then obviously when i when i went vegan uh i didn't feel that i could continue but i mean like there's only so many times as a vegan you can post a picture of a steak and and not feel kind of (laughs) internally challenged yeah so so, uh i i i went away (laughs) and i started my own my own little uh my own little thing so i was doing it i I just hired a couple of people small kind of agency and then really worked with kind of vegan brands or bigger brands that were launching vegan products and kind of built a niche Mm -hmm. in in that that space and that's actually how i met Amy from Vayner and how that conversation started with with with, uh, with them anyway. Yeah, yeah, nice. So, if you were if you were starting from from day zero from square one, what would you what would you do to sort of build things back up? Oh, yeah, good question. If I start from zero, I do. I sometimes fantasize about this. I know it's really <laughs> messed up. I'm like, just I I think it's the most enjoyable part. That that bit right at the start where you're yeah. like, you know, I think the first question I've asked myself is, what do I really care about? What does the world need? Um, and how how can I add? How can I add value? So, what are my skill sets? What what are my assets? What are the things that I know about? What am I good at? Who am I connected to? And try and meet all of these points in the middle to understand mm-hmm. what what understand 
what to do. And then I think about kind of what problem I'm solving. So what problem am I solving? How am I doing it in a creative way? And what does that actually look like? So I, I guess I spent a lot of time kind of mapping that out. And then I think one of the best things you can do is either physically go out and meet people, which is more challenging in the day now, or online, go out and meet people and tell people about about what I'm doing. I, I think that's really undervalued. I think people fear when they start something, telling people about it because they don't want to, yeah. don't want to be judged. But actually, you never know when you start talking to people what you're going to get. Like, for example, we're, we're doing this project at the moment in uh, building a an indoor football uh, facility in a, in, a, in, a, mm-hmm. in a in a in a warehouse. So before we even knew that we'd got the planning permission, before we even knew that we'd even got the building lease, we just told everyone, like, yeah. "We're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this." One, I think, because you can speak things into into existence in that way, not to go on a spiritual tangent, but I I, I believe that's true. But also because yeah, for sure, I love I love a bit of a spiritual tangent. <laughs> But also because when you start when you start doing that, you know, you, you one you hold yourself accountable to it, but two people want to help you. Like we we had people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, I've, I've got a building company, I can help with this, or oh, I've got this, I can help with this. So you'd be amazed at how how many people want to help when you start talking about it. If you keep it to yourself and try and keep it a secret or want everyone to sign an NDA or something like that, oh. you've not even started. Oh. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's like but how can anyone help you? How can anyone help you? So. I think yeah. Once you know, once you know, kind of what you want to do, what it's going to look like, I would then just start telling everyone about it. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I hear somebody who has a business idea and they won't tell anyone what it is, I'm like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're too self-important. Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. I think a common thread definitely seems to be across what you're saying. And I think it's so, so important and so true is like putting that time in up front to really clearly plan sort of who's the target market, what's the aim, that sort of stuff. Is that an accurate yeah, point? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, totally. And I mean, you can have, you know, as you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily one target market. You, there can be multiple mm-hmm. kind of nuances w- w- within the market you're going after. Like for me, with with the restaurants, like you know, we use like a kind of avatars, I guess, to understand different kind of t- audience types. But we we've got obviously people that are going to come in that are vegan. We've got people that are going to come in that are flexitarian that they might eat vegan once a week. We have people come in because they've walked past and they they like the look of the branding. We're going to have people come in that are trying to be healthier. We're going to have people that come in that care about sustainability. So I think it's good to understand kind of a wide berth of what motivating factors will determine somebody coming to the business and then using those as kind of to, to reverse engineer how you're going to speak to that people and with those people. We we I kind of look at it as like an intersection. I want to I want to reach an intersection of what we do and what our audience care about and try and position content that meets in the middle where their attention is going to be so and now you know it's, it's kind of interesting to see what kind of age groups and demographics are using what social um, platforms and, and what content works on what social platforms i think it's mm-hmm. been really cool to see it's been really cool to see the emergence of tiktok and how brands have kind of gotten i mean i've i've not done anything on it yet but um it's been really interesting to see that the work that, that, that brands have done on there so far and, and and how different brands have used it so yeah i think understanding understanding the audience is obviously crucial to to determine what kind of content you're going to put but also where that audience spends their time you know you're going to get a much mm-hmm. Typically, uh, there'll be some crossover, but typically the kind of person that sits on LinkedIn for four hours a day probably isn't going to be scrolling through TikTok for four hours a day. Yeah, for sure. You sort of touched on there what content works on on what social and that sort of stuff. Anything that you've seen personally or heard anecdotally that's like the cutting edge or where the 
where the most attention is at the moment, you think? I love LinkedIn. I get so much from LinkedIn. And I think it's because for so long, well, one, obviously, LinkedIn algorithm is like Facebook however many years ago, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can get so much organic reach on LinkedIn. It's, it's, it's great. LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn's cool because I guess this year through, through COVID and people spending more time at home, it's become a lot more personable. I think before it was very yeah. kind of stiff and a little bit kind of overly professional. I think now it's kind of loosened up a little bit and it's one of the only platforms or one of, yeah, definitely one of the only platforms that people are not only allowed, but are encouraged to be on during the day while they're at work. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of offices or people that are having their laptop, their, their uh, computers looked over, typically can't sit on Facebook or be watching yeah. dog videos on TikTok. <laughs> they, can, they can certainly spend time on LinkedIn. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about LinkedIn. Um, I try and do some video on there where I can. I, I write a lot of kind of longer form stuff on there in, in the in way of articles, etc. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think LinkedIn's a really useful medium. I have haven't done anything on TikTok, although I know that it's going to be it's for the brand. It's going to be a play coming into the last quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're starting to do a little bit on Pinterest, so I'm I'm looking kind of a little bit wider. We, we've done a lot on Instagram. Um, we do a lot of paid media on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. but um, to be honest, my day-to-day involvement in those isn't huge anymore. I, I kind of look more to kind of strategy, and then we've got people that know a lot more than me in those yeah. areas that, that kind of look after it. Nice. Yeah, you're the second person I've talked to recently about LinkedIn. And I went real in on LinkedIn last year because I had one of those failed businesses I touched on. Just failed because I stopped doing it is the only reason it failed. I still think it's a good idea. But I had like a an information product about how to write a CV. And I was going absolutely in on LinkedIn and getting so much reach. But now I've stopped, but I'm I'm planning to come back and just start posting art on LinkedIn, even if it's not slightly relevant to business. But that's a... I don't think ima- I, you know. I like you to you like posting art on LinkedIn is great. You know, you imagine you you're a recruiter and you're scrolling through LinkedIn and you, you know it's, your 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 network is recruiters and all you're seeing yeah. is people's like you know. I, I saw someone put yesterday. LinkedIn is basically people smelling their own farts. I thought it was. A, I, thought it was <laughs> I thought it was a really cool analogy. But imagine you know you're sitting again for that, and then someone posts this like this this like really cool piece of art or this really creative video. It's like it's a nice break from the crap you're probably usually seeing. You know. Yeah, that's true, and yeah, I, I do think that because even when I was posting, I was like. I was taking the piss a lot more than the average LinkedIn influencer. I was kind of trying to make it entertaining because I think it is so easy to stand out. I saw a really, I saw a meme much the same. It was looking at the way different people post on different platforms, or the same person posts on different platforms, and the LinkedIn (laughs) ones. It's just like the self righteousness on LinkedIn is 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 pretty funny, but so indulgent. If you can cut through that, there are you know I've I've made some good kind of connections on there, and then I I think there's a you know particularly if you're in if you're in a more of a niche industry, you can really find some good people from all over the world on there. Very true. So I'm gonna I want to go back down that spiritual rabbit hole a little bit because I think it's an interesting an interesting one, Um, and I've actually just started reading the book Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon yep. Hill if you're yep. um, which is very much sort of in that vein I guess how how does that fit in in your mindset to to achieving success you know like how how powerful is the the spiritual and and I guess the you know manifesting manifesting side and that sort of thing I think well, I think Napoleon I'm, I'm not going to butcher a Napoleon Hill quote but I think the, the, <laughs> I think that I think essentially what he says a lot in the book is that if you don't know where you're going, how can you ever expect to get there? So in mm-hmm. terms of setting kind of goals and when you, if you're going to set a goal, then you want to have a clear idea of what that looks like. That's not to detract from being fully where you are and being in the present moment and being fully involved and enjoying the journey, but it's good to understand where you want to go. 
and the more detail you can add to that, the better. So if you can visualize what it looks like, what it smells like, what it would feel like and attach all mm-hmm. of those kind of sensory and emotional bits to that, then I think you've got a much better chance of bringing that to fruition, particularly if you revisit it every day. So for me, what it looks like in a practical sense is having a solid morning routine every morning. So it's spending some time in meditation, you know, focusing on what I'm going after, expressing some, you know, expressing gratitude for what I already have. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very difficult to bring more into your life unless you have an appreciation of what you already have. Um, so I think it's, it's spending some time kind of curating that mindset um, and then the other thing that I found really helpful, which I see a lot of entrepreneurs and, and would-be entrepreneurs neglect, is kind of physical health and well-being. So, mm-hmm. you know, yoga, mobility, stretching, exercise, you know, good diet, supplementation, sleep. I think it's it's, it's much easier to have a have a have a quality mindset when you're in a, a you know a, a prime physical body. I think when you're yeah. when you're eating disease promoting foods or you're not getting enough sleep or you're drinking too much or any one of these kind of more negative things when they're out of balance it can influence the mind and mind in a negative way and you know your mind is essentially your best friend you can mm-hmm. you, you know you can destroy yourself or make yourself based on the way you think yeah. based on the, on the on the way you speak based on the things you believe in so i think it's increasing incre- your experience of life is essentially that it's perspective you know yeah. your experience of life is, is determined by the way you see things so if you can spend a little bit of time each morning putting uh, effort into curating that outlook i think it it can have a hugely beneficial impact on the way things go yeah for sure yeah i think it's i think it can be so tough though because like all of those things you mentioned like i try meditate and and try have a good morning routine my exercise is terrible at the moment but it's it's on my list to get better at again but it, like when you're doing them consistently you're like whoa this is it's like and it's not like oh i'm 100% more effective it's like it's a small increment but it's quite easy to to slip out of it and not notice you know because they are small increments but when you build those up then it sort of chunks into a bigger a bigger there's increment you know a, there's, a, there's a really good book called the slight the slight edge mm-hmm. i forget who it's by but it's called the slight edge and essentially it talks about just that so you know if you if you forget to meditate one day then you won't notice it but if you forget to meditate every day for a year it will have an impact yeah so it's trying and it's not about doing everything perfectly you know I, I i don't do it every single day i do it more days than not i probably do it six out of seven days but i don't do it every day but the more you do it the more you contribute to you know where you want to be it's, it's it's trying to use that that slight edge and you know it might be 0.5 percent in your in your 100 percent best self but yeah. You know, it's the culmination of all of those 0.5% percentages to add up to that 100% to, to kind of get there. Yeah, for sure. So back to back to more marketing um, talk. Kind of a similar question to ones I've asked, but it's I feel like it's kind of different. So I'll ask it anyway. Um, if It's like when you're starting something new, how do you go about, what's your game plan? Obviously defining that target, I guess, is part of it. But like, what's your, how do you go about bringing something new into the market and, and making people aware of it? Yeah, good question. I mean, it largely depends on on what it is. So like if I'm opening a restaurant, for example, I think the first thing you need to do is really understand, is there a need for what I'm doing here? Um, so that mm-hmm. would come with a kind of a market market slash competitive analysis, looking at the local area. Then if you are going to do it, you know, what 
running a, a proper feasibility. I think this is where a lot of people go wrong with businesses is that they don't understand whether it's actually feasible or not based mm-hmm. on the based on the cost, based on the the market, based on you know the, the numbers, trends. Is this actually a feasible business? Like, well, does this actually make sense on paper when you remove the emotion? I mean, a lot of people get mm-hmm. caught in the emotion of I'm going to be a founder and this is going to be my company. And we're <laughs> gonna do this. I'm going to have a business card with CEO on it. <laughs> yeah i did that first when i ever started i had business cards made <laughs> that was the only thing i ever did <laughs> and i think you know but also understanding why you're doing it personally like, like is this going to add to you some of the things the inner dialogues that i have now is like why am i doing this like is this is this going to add to my life is this going to add to mm-hmm. the lives of other people like does the world need this and if i'm if i'm doing it for ego or for money or for any one of those other reasons only then I, I don't i don't do it so i try and understand why i'm doing it like does this add value to other people does this is this going to be something that I'm going to enjoy doing is this going to be something that works you know and I think it's really important to have a proper think about those things before starting something if it is feasible and if it is something that the world needs and it is something that you're going to enjoy and all those boxes are ticked I think it's then about going out and writing a proper I know it sounds old school but I I, I write proper business plans I, I fully mm-hmm. map out you know or and I use that as an exercise to understand exactly what it's going to look like and build out as a bit of a roadmap mm-hmm. um and then the first thing I, I actually do is the brand side of things um that's probably my favorite thing to do as well so I, I get with our designer i look at all the new the brand what's the brand story how does the brand going to look feel um how's that going to translate onto digital how's it going to translate into physical and i build that out first so i've got a clear picture of the brand mm-hmm. and then i actually think about product second which is might be <laughs> people can say that's the wrong way around but, but for me i i, I I go into the, um, the brand side of things first. Obviously, I've, at this point, I've done the feasibility on the on the product and made sure it's a good mm-hmm. product, etc. But like for a restaurant, for example, I'll typically I'll I'll know the, the direction of the food, but it won't be the first thing I do. Interesting. Okay. And you touched on you know even when it's sort of a, a small thing, you're you're looking to make it look professional. Any tips on how to do that any like you know ways to achieve that without breaking the bank that sort of thing yeah find a really good designer that you can work well with i mean i've had i've used shout out lee lee murray he's got an agency called crash based in marbella i've used him for eight years nine years and we just we just get on so well and we have a complete understanding i can give him something and it nearly always comes out exactly in terms of what i want and if you are going to work with a designer understand that you need to give them an element of creative freedom in the design but the more you can give them in terms of visuals in terms of things that you like in terms of references the more likely you're going to get out the kind of thing that you want so i think yeah just spend time and, and ask around you know i think the best way to find a good designer as well is to ask around you can pay ridiculous money but you know you, know, you, you can go get a massive agency and pay a, a ridiculous fee but there are also independent designers out there more so now than ever that you can find on yeah. facebook or instagram and you know who aren't going to charge you an extortionate fee that being said don't also expect to pay pay peanuts because you'll you'll get crap yeah you know you're gonna have to <laughs> you know i think it's i think it's 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 a worthwhile investment into at the brand stage because ultimately that logo is going to serve you for the next few years hopefully going forwards yeah true um for this podcast i've made my own logo on canva and i must say i'm pretty pumped with myself but uh nice i don't know whether yeah. i'm uh, don't know whether i'm deluding myself <laughs> <laughs> um what would be some of your you know you mentioned sort of giving those visual references and stuff what would be some of the some of the brands that you would look at and see as aspirational or be like well they're really they're killing it um so I guess and why my, i guess i guess in my space uh i i think oatly are amazing i, I love i love what mm-hmm. they've been able to do I, th- I think you know they've perhaps 
gone against the grain in terms of everyone, you know, essentially putting money in influencer marketing and paid social, and they're going slapping up massive billboards in London. But the play mm-hmm. is the play is clever because they know that they're putting up the kind of the kind of billboards that people are going to snap and share on social. So I guess it's not too yeah. too uh, uh, it's not turning its back on social that much. But yeah, I, I love what they've done in terms of the billboards. I think they've done some really creative campaigns around that with the messaging. Um, I think they've been bold. You know, things like post milk generation could trigger some people, but <laughs> I think they've gone out and I think I think they've, they've done an amazing job. So yeah, I, I looked at I think Oatly have done a great job. I think companies that have kind of created kind of these new kind of blue oceans beyond meat impossible foods they've obviously done a great job in terms of getting their products out there and they spent a lot of money but ultimately they're they're they're, they're creating a new a new industry with the, mm. the kind of the the plant-based meats outside of that i think companies like brew dog i think brew dog have done, done yeah. a great job of being as reactive as they are you know i think some of the stuff they've done during covid has been so clever and it's really about just getting people talking i think getting people talking physically but also when i say getting people talking online i mean getting people sharing if you see something yeah. funny you, you share it right you want you want to pass that on to your to your network so they've obviously done a great job at leveraging that kind of human interest in in passing on stuff that we find funny or that we find interesting to our you know our friends yeah i think i think that's definitely the hack of of the modern age is is creating content that's shareable because then rather than just getting one impression that one person sees or even one impression that one person tells a few people in the physical world about when when you can hit one person and some of them you know all you need is two of those people to have 200k followers each and then you've gotten from two impressions you've gotten 200,000 impressions sort of thing exactly um, exactly the the key yeah because i used to work for patty power and they also are i'll begrudgingly admit they're, they're a company that does that well like um like doing that that stuff that like they used to do stuff like they would park uh they'd get one billboard on the back of a car and park it outside parliament and and take a picture of it and it's there for two minutes but then they'll they'll quote unquote leak it to all the press and say oh controversial move from paddy power and then all the newspapers every fucking week fall for it and just give <laughs> paddy power free advertising in their newspapers it's genius yeah, it's, it's brilliant it's brilliant and i feel like outly are definitely in that sort of direction as well which is so smart yeah definitely one question i was going to ask was was where the art and the restaurants come from because i'm interested and i feel i've definitely see that as a, an avenue but obviously i just need to find a find a restaurateur to date <laughs> yes yeah, so, so, so from we work with a couple with a few artists that put their put their pieces up and then we make it known to people if they want to buy any artwork off the wall they can and obviously all the money goes direct to the artist we don't take a commission or anything oh nice that's very that's very uh charitable of you oh but i just you know we, it's, it, it, I guess you're getting the free free decoration. Yeah, yeah, we we get the decoration, mm-hmm. and to, to be honest, like you know, it's just nice to be able to support people that are, that are doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, next thing I wanted to ask is like, you're obviously someone who who not only are you looking to, you're not just in business to profit, you're also in business to to make an impact. So, what would your advice be to people who who are looking to do that to start a business, not only for profit, but to also you know make a positive impact on the world? Tell people about it. You know, be really clear on your why. And be able to communicate it really effectively. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, and then just be authentic with it. You know, again, tell people, tell people. And I think, and then, but when I say your why, I mean be able to break. Like for me, it's about getting more people eating plants. That's that simple. Yeah. And I, I can, because I can communicate it that 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 kind of in a way that people can understand it very easily. And then find people that have the same mission or find people that are interested in the same mission. Yeah, that, that's simple as that, really. Love it. Um, and what, yeah, I guess it, maybe it is just that, but in slightly more detail, what's the impact you want to have? I think 
helping, I, I guess, a, like a big one, I guess, helping the world move towards a more plant-based food system. I think, you know, I, I, I recognise that, I think a lot of people recognise that the current food system we have isn't sustainable in the way that, you know, we're creating ocean dead zones and habitat destruction and species extinction and all these things that stem from our Western diets that have, yeah. you know, promote so much kind of destruction. Um, I, I think that that's really the mission for me is to get people to switch to a more plant. But I'm not asking everyone to go vegan. I'm not expecting everyone, the whole world to go vegan. I'm just, I'm, tr- um, I'm hoping to... Uh, encourage people to eat more plant-based where possible yeah i mean i I think i've definitely eaten more plants since we spoke so there's one convert anyway brilliant brilliant um (laughs) though i still indulge in in meat every so often um i was gonna ask something else um oh yeah i was gonna say this is like i i have a tendency some sometimes these days to be a bit defeatist about i'm like god is there any hope for the world because there's just there's just so many assholes and so much still sort of to do give me some hope louis <laughs> i said you know I, I think the way that you look at the world is what you'll see right a lot of the time if you if you, Fair. If, you if you walk around with thinking it's doom and gloom you're going to see doom and gloom i i you know i took a week off social media last week because what i recognized mm-hmm. was that i was getting caught up in all the kind of covid and negative and i i the minute I stopped looking at it, it got a lot better. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should just turn a blind eye, but I stopped engaging with that kind of thing. And it really helped having that week off. And now I'm back on. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting caught up and paying attention and getting into arguments on Facebook with people about whether you should wear masks or not. Do you know what I mean? Nah. Um, yeah, but yeah. In, the, in the same way, look, you know, I think everything, everything that's happening is happening exactly as it should be. And ultimately, I think, you know, it's it, is is it the Earth's own immune system fighting back at us to say, look, you know, you need to change the way that you're, you know, you're not being good custodians mm-hmm. of this planet. You need to change the way that you're behaving. I think maybe. I think equally, these challenges present themselves to give us an opportunity as well, right? We've got an opportunity to 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 grow through what we're going through, um, and we haven't really got a choice because it's happening. So you can either yeah. approach, it, approach it like it's the most painful thing in the world or you can approach it like it's part and parcel and it's a, a dance, so to speak. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very, And also that's so true on the on the, the COVID stuff, for example. Like once when lockdown started, I had the news on pretty much on a loop on my TV while I was for the first few days of working from home. And after like three days, I was like, I feel like shit and I feel like anxious. And then I just turned off the news and I basically haven't watched it since. And I feel amazing. And I hear all the important things from other people. <laughs> yeah, negative news sells, right? Oh, I, I literally, man, it's, that's one of the worst issues with the world is like, and yeah, it is so true, man. Like the, the it's what you make of it or what you think it is. Like, and, and if you look at the news, <laughs> the world's awful because it's so true. Yeah, they... They pick the worst 0.0001% of things happening in the world and, and project it out to the world and make everyone fear that that's what's going on everywhere, you know? Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. So what's next for you? I know I've uh, you touched on the warehouse and I've seen some uh, some interesting behind the scenes uh, footage. What's what's coming up for you? Um, What's coming up? I guess kind of coming into the last last part of the year, it's really consolidating on what we're what we're what we're already doing. Um We've got a relaunch of the vegan pizza brand, Vegan Doco, so a new menu. Really excited about that. Oh, yeah, that every time you post a picture of those, I uh, get hungry. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing a bit of a relaunch of, of, of that in terms of a new menu. And then really consolidating on the, the existing self, not really start launching anything new. Um, it's kind of making sure that everything that we've got running at the moment continues to be 
running and is in a, is in a good place uh, when we come into the new year. I don't think at the moment it's pretty difficult to plan too far ahead yeah. because of the, you know, the change in restrictions and laws. So taking it one day, one week at a time and kind of doubling down on what we're already doing. Yeah, how has, how has obviously hospitalities because my roommate's general manager of a bar and shout out to Houston Tap. Um, but obviously that's sort of an industry that's been really hard hit. How have you been doing and have you have you innovated in any ways or you know reacted in any ways to it yeah so when it happened initially happened we uh opened a bunch of uh, ghost kitchens in more residential areas we, we saw mm-hmm. the people work coming into central london and so we, we opened up a number of kitchens in more kind of neighborhood locations where people were spending more time uh and scaled some brands into those kitchens we switched to a delivery model um we yeah, we would put some more work into creating kind of digital content, helping people cook at home and incentivize mm-hmm. people to, to to join in those kind of challenges. So, yeah, to be honest, I've, I've actually enjoyed having to get creative with it and having to think outside the box a little bit. So that's actually been been, been quite enjoyable. And for me personally, being able to spend more time kind of reading brushing up on, on my knowledge in certain areas and, and getting healthy and, and those kind of things, spending more time training. I've actually, to be honest, I, I, I feel semi-bad about saying it, but I've actually had a great year, to be honest. <laughs> no, I think that's that's admirable and amazing, especially for someone who owns restaurants. I think, you, you, I think you'd be probably in the minority of people saying that, so I think that's amazing. And a, and a statement to your your great outlook. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. I've, I've, had a good, I've had a good year so far. <laughs> Love it. What uh, what have you any any good books you've been reading? Uh, what have I been reading? Um, I've had a couple on the go. I'm reading at the moment Billion Dollar Burger. It's about um, kind of big tech uh, and mm-hmm. the future of food. So I'm I'm enjoying that at the moment. More of a spiritual one for you, but I just finished Autobiography of a Yogi, and mm. it's uh, it's incredible. Really enjoyed that. Nice. Really enjoyed that. Um, I'm getting through a book every two weeks. I used to do a book a week for a long time, but I'm a bit busier at work nowadays. So um, I'm getting through probably a book every two weeks, which which is good. Um, So we're coming towards the end now. I guess any other that we haven't touched on, any any marketing tips that you think are, particularly, I guess, through the lens of that, you know, early stage creative, any marketing tips you've had or, 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 you know, strategy you think could be useful um i think at the moment collaboration is king i think to trying to collaborate with people that perhaps have a similar audience but maybe don't necessarily compete with you i think is is is, mm-hmm. is a good one sharing in audiences i, I think is a really way good way cost effective way to maximize exposure online um and i really think i'm a big believer just in documenting what you're doing and sharing in what you're doing um something that we i, I try and do more of with the restaurants and just showing people what's going on, bringing in people on the journey and, and, and showing them behind the scenes. I think people underestimate how interesting that is to people. And it's really effective in the early stages of starting a business. Just getting on camera and talking about what you're doing, I think is a really, really mm-hmm. nice and easy thing for people to do. Nice. Okay. Then this is something I'm asking everyone is anyone you think, like it could be someone massive or someone small, but anyone you think would be worth me trying to get on the show? Trying to get on the show. Um, who can I think yeah, I'll tell you who'd be good. Um, my ex-business partner, Charlie, has got an agent, a fairly big agency now, actually, in, in London. He's done really well during lockdown, works for a lot of different brands. Uh, I'll make him intro for you. Uh, Amazing. He'd, he'd, he'd be you. a good person to speak to, for sure. Nice. And then lastly, I guess, do you have a, a call to action to people and, and where can people find you and follow you? Yes, I'm, uh, my, I'm at louisblake.com, which is L-O-U-I, blake.com. Uh, same on Instagram at Louis underscore Blake. LinkedIn, I post a lot there. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
yeah, they're my main avenues, I guess, Instagram, LinkedIn and, and, and website. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go connect with you on LinkedIn now and start posting again. I think it's I, you've I motivated you, me I'll, to get I'll, back I'll, there. I hold, hold you accountable to that. I love it. <laughs> um, well, Louis, it has been fantastic to let the listeners know it's it's 8.30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning right now um because you're the first you're the first person who's taken me up on the morning the morning slots so i respect yeah, it, I love I, it. So, seven seven thirty slot that's a bit of me love it yeah love a good love a good early morning um obviously after we've both meditated i'm sure uh key <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. well thank you so much for for taking the time to come on i really appreciate it and uh definitely some some serious value in there for the listeners i think and i guess i'll see you on linkedin brilliant thanks mate This has been the Creative Marketing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not subscribe and even give us a review? It really helps us out in the uh, podcast algorithms world. Uh, Also, if you don't, give me a follow on Instagram at Angus Boyle. That's Angus, A-E-N-G-U-S, Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E. And uh, yeah, reach out, say hello. If there's any feedback from the show, anything you'd like to see more of or less of or see involved or see unceremoniously torn out of the show, whatever it is, just let me know. Uh, Also, share with a friend, please, you know, spread the word, the creative marketing magical word. And other than that, just have a fucking great day. I love you. If you're listening to this part of the podcast right now, it means you've listened all the way to the end. If you skip to the end, you're cheating and I'm not necessarily speaking to you. I probably do still love you. There's pretty few people who I don't love. But yeah, really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week for another absolutely fantastic episode. And like I said, have a bloody great day. You absolute fucking legend.